0: Welcome to the Chapters of Grace podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Heather. And we're two friends collecting stories of God's grace and sharing them along the way. Today's episode, we're so excited to have our friend Chris Huff come on and talk about his grace story with depression. And um, we're just really excited to, to bring this topic up because Heather and I both have struggled with mental health, with anxiety, and so... Um, Just kind of um, hearing Christians talk about very real issues that are going on, I think it's just going to be a great topic for today's episode. It was nice to have a male's perspective on depression and mental health and to be given some practical steps. So let's jump into today's episode. We hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Chris Huff, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, we're super excited about your grace story. We know that it's an important one that a lot of people struggle with and we're just really excited cause you're our friend too, to have you on here. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to jump right in. I'm just going to have you tell us who you are a little bit about yourself and then just dive in about your grace story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for, you know, letting me come and share this story. Um, I, I think it's really important. Uh, so just to start, my name's Chris. Um, I am married to Faith. Um, we have two little girls, um, Ellie, who is three, Eliza, who is one. Um,
0: the cutest little girls. the cutest, yeah. yes. I'll I'll bias this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: currently, we are living with our or my in laws, yeah, um, which is actually really fun. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm with the one percent of the people that actually say that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me, but. Um, today, I, I really wanted to talk a little bit about depression. Um, it's something that I struggled with for really nearly a decade uh, wow. when wow. I think about it. Um, and I think for so long, uh, depression you know, is something that we just think is normal. We think it's okay. We think we just have to live with it. Um, and, and we've let the enemy, we've let Satan, we've let the devil really just play in that playground for way too long. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think it's time for us as a church um, to step up and be a voice to show people who the the true solution to depression is. And and I'll start by saying, you know, there are cases of depression and mental illness where medication is 100% necessary. Yes, I'm, absolutely. I'm not trying to take that away. Absolutely. Um, I, I have friends, I know people that they, they need that medication yeah. so that they you know, their wires are in order. They yeah. straight because there are chemical imbalances. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the enemy, and you can allow the enemy to put you in depression, mm-hmm. um, that also affects those chemical imbalances. Right. Um, but I, I kind of want to introduce the discussion by talking about um, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. And it says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead expose them. And so what I want to do today just by talking about depression uh, is just to expose what the enemy is doing uh, with depression. And and I have a bunch of statistics here, and I'll, I'll quickly go over them. But starting with major depression, and these are statistics from 2018. Uh, and I chose 2018 because 2020 is real eye-opening right. when we look at depression. So these are all from 2018 to start out. Uh, so in 2018 nearly 300 million people uh, suffered from depression so that's about eight point seven percent of women five point three percent of men the average age of onset of depression is 32 and a half years old so that's right where you know all of us are Um, 14.4 percent of 12 to 17 year olds experience depressive episodes people you know kids teenagers that shouldn't even be experiencing depression are the highest rate of, of age range that experience depressive episodes. 13.8% of 18 to 25-year-olds experience depressive episodes, 4.5% of people that are 50 and older. Uh, among college students, between the years of 2013 and 2018, severe depression rose from 9.4% to 21.1%. Wow. That one and so these are just some, some staggering numbers yeah. um, that people don't talk about. When you look at seasonal depression, that's an additional 5% of people in the U.S. say they have seasonal depression. Average age is between 20 and 30 years old. Uh, Another area of depression that people don't really label with depression, but it's postpartum depression. A 2015 study said that 70 to 80% of women experience some form of depression from postpartum. What might be more disturbing, if you want to put it that way, or just eye-opening is that paternal depression ranged from 24 to 50 percent in men who had partners with postpartum depression?
0: Wow, wow. Um,
1: some just some additional stats. Uh, you know, people always say that men don't want to talk about depression, uh, and and it's really true. Uh, there's a poll that the United Kingdom did uh, that's where they polled uh, men that, who had depression, and 40 percent never told anyone about it. Of those 40%, 29% said that they were too embarrassed to talk about it. And so, again, it's the stigma that the enemy has really tried to make us live with, that we shouldn't live with, we don't have to live with. Um, Between the years of 2007 to 2018, the rate of moderate to severe depression rose from 23.2% to 41.1%. Stress levels during the holidays increased by 38%, you know, a time where we think there's joy and happiness. There's so many people that that's struggling with, with stress and depression yeah um of, of people with mental illness 64 percent say that their symptoms worsen during the holidays and then to to bring it all the way around to 2020 uh the opening stat is depression tripled in early 2020 when the pandemic hit from 8.5 percent to 27.8 percent uh and then these are just really staggering numbers here in 2020 The leading cause of disability was depression. The use of the mental health hotline went up by 900%. Wow. One out of four people under the age of 30 considered suicide. One out of 10 of everyone else considered suicide. Divorce increased by 20%. Antidepressant use rose by 300%.
0: Wow. And I think that just goes to show, like... The, you're not supposed to be alone. We're not exactly. supposed to be alone. We're not supposed exactly. to be isolated. And that this yeah. is a direct cause of what happens. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's why I hated social distancing from the beginning. Yeah. Um, because we never should have been socially distanced. Yeah. Exactly. We need social interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the final number in 2021, depression officially rose to 32.8%. Wow. Um, and I say all those stats to... to Read Jesus' words in John 10, 10, where he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, he's using depression to try to steal our joy, to steal our happiness, to steal our identity. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus has come that he he brings life, he gives us life, and that we may live it to the fullest.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's just it's so crazy. Um, just to look back at my story uh, that I'll get into in a little bit, just to see the transformation um, I had no idea what I was fighting, mm-hmm. and so that's really why I want to introduce depression, so that we know what we're fighting. Because how are we going to fight an enemy if we don't even know how he's fighting us? Yeah,
0: yeah. calling it by name today. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, I, I love when there's a pastor that was talking about the armor of God, and he said that um, Satan's weapons are fiery arrows. He's he's fighting us from a distance mm-hmm. and peeking behind the corner and hiding yeah. before he attacks. Number one, we have a shield that defends that. Number two, we have an offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. It's not even fair. We have a sword yeah. to fight arrows with. And we need to start acting like that. Right. Um, but I really, you know, after those statistics, kind of introduce what depression is. Um, Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, just to kind of give a couple scriptures here. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, it says, My son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding... Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And to back it up to Proverbs 1 through 7, it actually says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So again, just trying to be knowledgeable about depression. And so uh, I got a book a couple weeks ago that really just talks about psychology as a whole. Uh, it's called How Psychology Works, and it defines depression as a common condition.
0: Common. A common. common. Wow. Exactly.
1: A common condition that may be diagnosed when a person has been feeling down and worried and has lost pleasure in daily activities for more than two weeks. Wow. So that's how many psychologists will define depression. Um, and I was looking back at kind of the secular history of depression and really... From the first civilization of Mesopotamia all the way up to the 1600s, people actually thought depression was uh, demonic and evil spirits. And so, you know, doctors didn't even touch it. They sent them to priests to be, uh, you know, to cast the demons out. And it was up until about the 1600s when they really started researching depression. Um, They looked at internal and external causes, behavioral therapy, things like that. But real research of depression didn't begin until the 1960s and 1970s. So it's relatively, we're we're really just getting into uh, kind of the psychological side of depression. Um, But at the same time, we've almost thrown it away that Satan is even involved in depression. And again, I I just really believe that we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like I I truly believe that Jesus is the answer. Um, He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free from depression, uh, but at the same time, we have to step in and do some things, too. Um, so today, the Mayo Clinic actually labels depression, and the following age groups is this. Toddlers, 3 to 5 years old, they do consider it rare. But again, it shouldn't even be existing. It shouldn't be, yeah, it should <laughs> so be be listed, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, children 6 to 13 is considered common. Again, six. common. Six to 13. I mean, I
0: have a daughter that, that that is that age, and that is insane to me.
1: Yeah, it's considered common. Again, never should depression be considered common. Um, once you hit fourteen years old, all the way until you pass away, is considered very common. Wow. CDC actually says that one in six adults will have depression. Um, so again, there's a lot of roots to to depression. Um, You know, you have your external causes and results that stem from money, from stress, from your job, um, you know, death in the family, Mm -hmm. um, alcohol and drugs, which in 2020 and 2021, that actually rose. um, I believe it's like in the 30 and 40% uh, alcohol and drug use rose. Um, You have bullying, uh, loneliness, pregnancy, and then relationship problems. And then there's a lot of internal causes and results from depression too. You have your, you know, your personality traits, um, your anger, anxiety, emotional instability. You have your pessimism, where you just see everything in the world. Your your world view is just nothing but negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you experience depression from childhood experiences, from family history, long term health problems, and there's so many effects that depression can leave you with um, if you don't take care of it. Um, I, I found this this study that. Just to give some examples of depression effects if left untreated, you have feelings of sadness or emptiness. That leads to guilt, leads to shame, leads to hopelessness. That's what Jesus came to set us free from. He, right. you know, he sets us free from the guilt and the shame, and He gives us a hope. Um, other effects if left untreated, you have insomnia, you have trouble with memory or decision making. A lot of that leads to concentration, uh, loss of concentration, bipolar disorders, other mental illnesses. Um, some other effects, if left untreated, you have the preoccupation with death, which is your suicide. Um, your risk of heart attack actually increases. You have feelings of clinginess. Uh, you don't want to do normal activities. Something you, know, you can look for in, in your kids is if uh, they just refuse to do things. And if you don't know why, start asking questions. I mean, they could be experiencing something that you just haven't even thought of. Um, and we, we can just come against that. Uh, some other effects, you have weight fluctuations from overeating and undereating. Your blood vessels can actually constrict uh, when you're suffering from depression, which raises the risk of cardiovascular disease. Wow. Uh, your pain sensitivity is increased. So things that may have not hurt before suddenly hurt. Medication that worked before suddenly doesn't work anymore. Um, your fatigue increases. You actually have a lower interest in, uh, in your sex drive. Um, and antidepressants also affect this too. Um, and then you just have a weakened immune system. You know, your common cold, your simple diseases, just suddenly it's harder for your body to fight those things off. Um, but to really wrap it all, all the way around, I, I wanted to bring up Isaiah 53 um, verse 5, which is you know, one of the, the, the greatest verses that we, we reference when we talk about the price that Jesus paid on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and this is going to kind of set up my story. Um so Isaiah 53 5 it says he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And just to go through each of those just real quick, by his stripes represents the whip and the beating that Jesus took and the healing that he brings us. Some on earth, some in heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the scripture that says in Second Timothy four eighteen, it says the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack, and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So that means I win either way. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's the attitude I'm going to have. Uh, the punishment that brought us peace represents the, the crown of thorns and the freedom that Jesus gives us in our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You know, so many times we look we look at the world to heal, heal our depression. We look at our situations. We, we run into... Uh, situations that we think's gonna heal our depression. I I did that, um, and it doesn't because it's it's of the world. Jesus yeah. wants to heal us, and so He's saying, "Come to Me." Um, Pierce for our transgressions represents the hands of Jesus. It means that everywhere we've gone, everything we've done, He provides complete freedom. Hebrews eight twelve says, "For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more." So He you know, not only does he forgive us, but he also does what Hebrews nine fourteen says, which is, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. So not only does he forgive us of sins, he forgets them, and he also purifies us. Mm-hmm. And we can walk in that. That's a promise that God God gives us. Uh, but the one that I really want to stick on before transitioning is crushed for our iniquities represents the spear. And the freedom that Jesus gives us in our hearts. Uh, So many times people think depression is just a mind issue. Mm -hmm. But it's a heart issue too. And it affects so many areas that we don't think depression affects, but it does. Uh, Psalms 147.3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. And so the price, when Jesus took the spear, he broke his heart for us. No one else broke it. He broke it for us. Mm -hmm. He experienced a broken heart so that we don't have to experience a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And too many people today are living with a broken heart and living in a depressive state that they don't have to live in.
0: Yeah, and I think that helps us relate to Jesus because Mm -hmm. he did already experience that. So you can't feel like you can't relate to him or feel isolated from him Mm -hmm. because he went through that so that he could relate to that Mm -hmm. pain that you're experiencing. Yeah,
1: exactly. He, He did everything on earth. we're now doing on earth so that we can relate to him because he wants relationship with us Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I I say all those things to really you know now transition to to my story of depression Mm -hmm. and so like I said I I struggled with it for you know probably a decade Um, but it all started when I turned 18 I had no reason to be depressed you know I had a great family Um, I didn't grow up in a blended family. I had a mom. I had a dad. Loved each other. Never, you know, had an affair on each other. I had two incredible sisters. Um, I had everything I wanted. If I wanted something, I could ask. I was going to get it. Um, My sisters always called me the golden child. (laughs) Still do. Still do. Yep. Um, So, yeah, I I literally had no reason to be depressed. Uh, But the enemy still put those little you know those bugs in my in my ear Mm -hmm. he put me in situations that set me up for that failure Um, because you know like like the Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking who he wants to devour Uh, I think it's in Genesis where you know it says that he's crouching at the door waiting for us to fall Um, and so I consider my depression having three separate stages so kind of the stage one was from 2009 to 2012 um, and it really all started, uh, probably classically with a relationship with a girl that I had, you know, no business to be in a relationship with. My parents completely disapproved of her. Um, so therefore I already wasn't honoring my, my father and mother with that relationship. Um, I would show up, I, I remember so many instances of showing up late for curfew, um, which, I hated curfew, but I understand the purpose of it. Yeah. Now. Now, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes. I exactly. Um, I don't recommend watching the show I'm about to reference, so I'm not even going to say it, but <laughs> nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, so I would show up late, for, late uh, for curfew. I would yell at my parents. Um, I had bitterness toward my parents. That was a big one. I had bitterness for so long mm-hmm. uh, toward my mom and my dad, and, and they didn't deserve it, but I had that bitterness. Um, and, and that relationship I had with, with this girl was just not built on Christian values. Nice. Um, you know, we, we both claimed to be Christian, but, you know, we just had so much sexual tension, you know, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it really affected, uh, how I lived my life for, you know, two, three years. Um, after about two years of dating her, I, I really, you know, I think it was 2000, uh, 2009, 2010, um, I, I really wanted to start, you know, reading the Bible, really start, you know, walking toward a purpose, and I remember praying and studying, um, and I really felt like the Lord was telling me I needed to break up with her, and so I was like, okay, and, and if
0: you know Chris, that makes so much sense. It does make so much sense, yeah. She's like, okay. All right,
1: fine. Yeah, and so it was August, I think, of 2009, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, that I broke up with her over a text message. Oh, girl, <laughs> over the text message. <laughs> over a text message. Um, and she responded and I, am pretty sure I ghosted her for a couple weeks. You know, classic. I dated this girl for like two and a half years. Oh. Broke up with her over text messages, ghosted her, or, ghosted, ghosted her. And then two weeks later, immediately regretted it. Cause you know, I had those two weeks to kind of, uh, you know, Perfect. sit there and reflect and, <laughs> You know, overthink. Yeah. Um, and so, it was that point that I texted her again, and then proceeded to spend the next two years trying to get her back. Um, in that two-year time span, I actually was dating Faith, now my wife at the time. Cheated on her, oh. trying to get back to this girl. Um, ironically, you know, she's now my wife. I'm
0: surprised you're still alive knowing that. Faith's Dad. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, that happened. That was the grace of
0: God. (laughs) That's
1: a fact. That's a fact. (laughs) fact. Um, So, you know, I I cheated on her. I I lost so many close relationships. You know, we would just fight for no reason. Friends I had. there's no reason at all we would fight. I would avoid certain people. Um, I didn't care about a job. Uh, The job I had, I actually was fired from my very first job, uh, which was a cash credit target. I just didn't show up.
0: Wow. Target. Target. Full well, circle. Oh, yeah.
1: Man, now you know why Faith loves Target. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> she has
0: the in, inside <laughs>
1: uh, so, you know, Yeah, so I was fired from there. Um, I just didn't show up. Uh, There's so many times I remember claiming I just didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go and literally I remember driving just not caring what happened. I actually drove a couple times on the interstate like going 110, 120, not caring what was gonna happen. Um, actually, after I was fired, it was six months before I even got another job. And I don't recommend this, but I was like 23, to, I was 23 um, when I actually got my first full-time job. So that just shows you you know, just where my mindset was and what I was allowing the enemy to, to impact me and influence me with. Um, I cared nothing about making new relationships. I was fine with the people I was friends with, didn't want to do anything else. Um, and I didn't care about living, you know, a purpose. Um, so it was actually 2010. I was 19 years old. I went to the doctor, um, because, you know, I just knew something wasn't right. And so he actually gave me a mental illness questionnaire, took it. He came back actually prescribed me with antidepressants, depressants. um, and the first thing I did, it was almost a sense of pride. It's like, yes, like I'm officially depressed. Yeah, I'm gonna I've let this medicine. girl. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna let this girl know yeah. that hey, I'm depressed, and yeah. it's because I want to be back with you. Oh. Um, so I did that, uh, but deep down, I, I just knew I didn't want to take him. So I actually never even went to the pharmacy and picked him up. Um, but I spent the next eight years fighting depression. Uh, but really, there were two things that were holding me back. Number one, I didn't know what I was fighting. I had no idea what I was what I was fighting. Um, and number two, there were parts of the fight that I just didn't care about. Um, you know, I thought I was meant to feel that way. i convinced myself the big one. I convinced myself that depression was my identity, it's who I was, and that's what the enemy awesome. wants to convince yeah. us. Mm-hmm. He wants us. He wants to convince us that our mental state, where we are in our mind, that's just who we are, and. Yeah. That's not who we are. Yeah, and
0: that's the big thing in, in today's culture is that you, you're anxious Oh, you're depressed. Like, that's who you yeah. are. And I feel like, too, if the enemy can make you think there's no hope, this is, this is who you are, you're stuck with this, especially if you're young. I feel like that's why suicide rates are so high because you're like, if there's no hope for me, I'm always going to feel this way. There's nothing that can save me from this. Yeah. They think that, you know, they're going to have to feel weird on these medicines or whatever it is. Like... I feel like that's where the enemy really thrives in getting people to say just, just end it because you're not going to ever yeah. feel better. Mm-hmm. But there yeah. is hope,
1: and it's not even even uh, turned into, you know, our effects of abortion. Where yeah. one of the reason people, you know, women want to ab- abort their children is because they don't want them to live in this world. Yeah. Um, that a lot. Yeah. And and one of the biggest things that I was trying to do when I felt depressed is I I didn't run to Jesus because I thought that if I could. The things that I wanted in my life, I thought if I could make those things want me, then it would fix everything. Um, and that just made things worse. Uh, in reality, instead of trying to make other people do a 180, I needed to do the 180. I needed to repent. Um, but I was just missing that relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And, and I love this scripture. It's James 4, 7 through 8. And it says, submit yourselves to God, period. <laughs> resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah. I was trying to resist things. Without ever submitting to something, yeah, right. and we can't. We have to do it in that order. We have to submit to God first, because when we submit to God, that's when the devil flees from us. Right. Um, and so that brings me to stage two. And well, I'll say one more thing about that, because a lot of people nowadays say that the devil's not real, but just because you say the devil's not real doesn't make him go away. Right. Like he's, he's still, he's still, there. he's still there. So you know, sorry. Um, so that really brings me to stage two, and so we'll pick up. You know, twenty. This this uh time frame is probably 2012 to 2017 somewhere around there um so now i was dating faith uh, and we broke up several times uh, but th- this is really when we broke up um the last time for for a couple of years um she started dating another guy and i just went into such jealousy
0: no, not you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was so jealous. Um, like, incredibly jealous. Yeah. Um, I spent the next two years basing my identity on who I was in relationship with because I wanted to try to make her jealous. Um, and so it's crazy because I attempted to have so many relationships um, with, with other, other girls, and they just never worked out. And I remember there was this one girl I was going to um, go on a date with, and the day before literally the day before like we had great conversations and for whatever reasons i i prayed and i said lord if i'm supposed to be with faith and this was like a year and a half after we broke up i said if i'm supposed to be with faith then just let this fall through and the next morning i wake up and she's canceled the date and never wanted to talk to me again well Gave her no reason to do that. Yeah, But she did. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, I mean, okay. I
0: guess. <laughs> guess that's a sign. Guess
1: that's a sign. <laughs> I spent another year and a half, you know. Again, I spent another year and a half running after faith instead of running after Jesus. Right. Um, and that that was the mistake. Yeah. Um, because when you run after things that, yeah, faith is a huge part of my life. You know, she is who I have. Um, outside of Jesus, the most intimate relationship with. But I was putting her before Jesus. exactly, And that's never going to work. It's never going to work.
0: And I think a lot of people go into relationships and go into marriage thinking that their spouse is going to fix them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And it's
0: not. not. They're they're there, like you said, they're there to have that intimacy with you, but they can't heal you. They can't fix those broken pieces.
1: There's so many marriages that are struggling because they thought getting married was going to fix the problems. They thought having another kid was going to fix the problem. They thought, you know, bringing something else into the house was going to fix the problem. When man, just just bring Jesus into the center of things. Just bring him where he's supposed to be, where he wants to be. That's what's going to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, through those couple years of trying to reach out, you know, trying to get back with faith, um, I started to experience the side effects of depression now. So, yeah, you know, I was struggling every day with, you know, just being in a good mood, keeping my attitude straight. But now we're talking um, of falling into immorality that really began, you know, with things like Snapchat, mm-hmm. Twitter, social media, um, which are things that I personally believe we need to stay away from. Yeah. I just from a personal, a personal standpoint, um, I've now deleted Twitter altogether. I've taken Instagram off my phone. I am on Facebook, maybe ten minutes a week, yeah. and I cannot tell you how much happier I am. Yeah, that I'm not on those things.
0: Yeah, other um, guys, I'm I'm a big component for unplugging from social yeah. media. oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Especially like you said, especially like Snapchat and even Instagram. Like I just feel like there can be good in things. I don't think there's good in Snapchat. I'm gonna be honest. There no, can be not. good in things, no. but I, I really think the enemy thrives in those areas. It again. does because 1,000%. I feel like especially Snapchat is. Created to keep things hidden. It is. Hey, oh, absolutely. Yeah, is. it is created to keep things a secret. And
1: spoiler work or spoiler alert, uh, nothing's hidden.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. They
1: know what you're sending. Yeah, <laughs> yep. just throwing that. out The there.
0: light will always shine through. Yeah, yes, yes, every yeah. time.
1: Um, and and so through that immorality is where I really fell into uh, pornography. Um, really began struggling with sexual identity or not sexual identity. Um, I never struggled with that. Uh, but just from the immorality standpoint yeah. um, uh, of, of, you know, sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the end of 2014, I still had never resolved those things. Um, but I, I was able to, you know, here and there, put, put them on the back burner. Yeah. Here and there. Um, and so in 2014, Faith and I started dating again. Um, we got engaged in 2016, married in 2017. Um, and so, again, you know, I just said, you know, a lot of times we think that marriage fixes everything. Yeah. And this is an example where marriage didn't fix everything for me. Yeah. I still had unresolved. Um, I still was not set free yeah. uh, from things that I was struggling with. I was still depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, still struggling with other other things, and so that brings me to stage three, where we'll we'll go from 2017 to 2019, very you know January of 2020 is where we'll we'll take this time frame. And,
0: So that's all for part one of Chris's episode today. Make sure you tune in to our next episode for the conclusion. We hope you enjoyed. And please be sure to um, subscribe and make sure that you follow us on all of our social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube so that you are notified when our new episodes drop this season. Thank you guys so much for listening.